Good day. This is How to Be Unpopular podcast number 244. Well, we made it through winter, and it's March, and skating season, or preseason, to me, that's what I think of it as, is coming. Uh, definitely thought I was going to be skating this week, but currently it's minus 11 outside and minus 17 with wind chill. There's a certain level of coldness uh, wind, sun or no sun combination uh, now that uh, needs to be perfect for um, skating weather. I'm not super picky with it, but around minus five with no wind and sun, that's pretty good. But we're not there yet. Uh, just a quick note, coming back from a long winter, be prepared to suck at least the first three sessions, possibly two, two and a half. I think a problem with skating is that when you're watching it and thinking about it, uh, it looks easy. And then you come back and you remember how, uh, you have to remember how to work these goddamn things. How do you work these things? And for OG bladers uh, returning to the sport after a long hiatus, I know you're watching lots of skating and you're excited to get back to it, but you have to be prepared to suck like you've been uh, like 10 or 15 winters worth. It might take 10, 15 sessions to really get the feel to build like the weird muscles that we use for grinding and skating. They're much different. Um, some people might bounce back first or second session. Don't go too hard though. You don't want to strain yourself. Um, I'm very excited to be uploading a lot right now. Winter has been great, and the New Year's been great for uploading lots of stuff. There's lots more stuff coming. There's at least uh, maybe like 15 MB7 session edits. Um, there's a lot. There's more commentaries. Todd and I are going to do the Q&A tomorrow. Um, and we're going to be doing an anti-rocker training edit series which will be really funny. Probably just very straightforward, aggressive inline skating. With There might be creativity, but just us getting the feel for anti-rocker. You're going to get to watch the process before we start filming for MB8, which will be kind of in June, late May. So there'll be edits through April, May. If the weather gets really nice in March, uh, we'll do that. Um... What else? What else is coming up? Oh, I recorded, I attempted to record talking about every single skate I've ever owned. If you haven't, uh, here's a fun exercise. If you haven't reflected on that before, it's really fun to write the list out and try and remember it in order, especially if you've gone through multiple skate crises like I have there's some key periods where I looked at man I could not find a skate that I liked and then I would always fall back on certain brands and I, I'm excited to eventually reveal it because holy crap there is a couple brands that I didn't touch or skate at all still to this day or maybe I skated them once and just never really skated them again and watching old tapes, trying to look at footage for this thing, 
and also watching old tapes uh, for the YouTube channel. It's almost like uh, painful sometimes, but educational. Just to realize how many shitty products and skates and bad uh, turns in skate experimenting I've taken. Like, th the idea of... Um, I'm still a huge experimenter and I love getting trying all the new stuff, but with that comes a lot of duds and uh, zigzagging when you could just be going in a straight line further t towards uh, comfort and, uh, you know, just that something that helps you skate better, if that makes sense. The zigzag would be, uh, yeah, going too far off the path and the path would be the comfort of skating so it's also frustrating watching these old tapes you're watching your younger self and um giving into the idea of what you think skating is especially in my early 20s we would drive around town we had all day to skate but we would drive around town and we would go to super boring flat rails and like I'm watching myself do these switch-ups on rails that don't have very good style but it's just because it's what I was watching in videos at the time uh, I was probably doing it hungover or something because you're in your early 20s and that's what you do you go out I guess I can't be hard on myself of my 21 year old early 20s self but I just look at that and I know some people are like, man, if I could go back to those days, but I look back and I'm like, ugh, you're, uh, you're, uh, the way you identified with skating was so unhealthy, but what do they say? Hindsight's 2020. Oh, um, calls from the bank was incredible. I've watched it twice. If I, when I watch it the third time, I'm going to do a full podcast on it, hopefully with no spoilers. But, you know, in rollerblading videos, it's gotten to the point where I've seen so many of them. I, I try and watch everything. I try and watch and buy everything. Sometimes I'm just passively participating in watching and purchasing rollerblading media because I almost feel like I have to similar to that well because I'm into rollerblading so I have to get all this stuff but with that attitude you end up watching a lot of duds or lots of things that are just average or things that aren't maybe you don't get any enjoyment out of but calls from the bank has the two things that I get most excited for when I'm watching a skate video. When you're watching us do the commentaries, uh, laughing and being surprised are the two things that I enjoy most out of skate video experiences. Movies don't have that criteria so much because there's so many genres you can work in and you can kind of set yourself up for to have an experience based on what the, the genre is. Funny enough, action sports and rollerblading videos don't really have genres it's just skate video and it's pretty amazing how narrow of a framework people 
work in, but there's creative things that you can do within the narrow framework. And Calls from the Bank, the first time I watched it, I was just downstairs laughing so hard and surprised pretty much consistently the whole way through. And Rollerblading Video's modern ones, or current ones, the last time that probably happened was Program, and the last time before that was uh, Watch the Game. Oh, Gary Vibes is pretty good. See, and it sounds like I'm favoring Canada, but there's a a tradition and a vibe and a feel. And obviously there was the Leon Humphreys devotion, which was, that's a whole other level of just incredible, like the, the standard tradition of amazing skate videos that fits there. But Calls from the Bank is kind of in the, I guess in the Canadian tradition of skate videos, but it's so hard to explain because it's so funny surprising weird shocking the first time you watch it you're the range of emotions i i hope you've seen it and if you haven't seen it you definitely need to watch it and buy it as soon as possible um it's funny because people think that we've made weird and shocking videos but this one is almost on a whole different level and I can't spoil anything, you just have to experience it for yourself. I just want to remind everybody that we're in the future, and it's really good. Lots of amazing skating products, there's amazing skate parks everywhere, and pretty much every movie, album, rollerblading video is available online right now and on your phone. So I just wanted to remind everybody of that. I just had a note down that said that. Uh, if you haven't watched the Estrogen video that Ricardo Lino did on the, you just look up, maybe uh, you can look up who the F, it's a swear word, is Estrogen on Lino's, Lino's channel. I really, really enjoyed this video and you could also just listen to it as audio if you don't want to sit down and watch a 20 minute video but there some of the stuff that she said um reminds me so much of uh rollerblading in terms of the er late 90s early 2000s um and there's a a maturity and a perspective uh and wisdom that's really refreshing that you act you don't hear very often in when rollerbladers talk i know that sounds like a uh, a diss but it probably also in skateboarding media and you know there's all kind of action sports media there's like sometimes it can just similar to videos it can kind of fit down the same path and uh listening to her talk and about the the origin of what she started with street roller skating and moxie was really inspiring especially the part um about we're living in a, a sh more shameless era and that, that shame was a big part of action sports and going to a skate park. Uh, you'll just have to watch it because I'm going to butcher what she's saying. But it was a really cool message that got me very excited again to be in this future. Um, apart from the thing that probably everybody's talking about, but 
in in rollerblading i and these podcasts and the commentaries current any kind of current events or politics or any that stuff i always keep very separate from rollerblading because that's what makes these activities amazing these human movement sports and activities that it's a separate world um from everyday life and the connection and feeling to them stays consistent no matter what changes in your life or what's going on it's a it's a world that feels amazing to come back to uh so that's my comment on that the attempting to talk about every skate video uh is was really hard to do hopefully i did a good job it's i think like over an hour or close to an hour um hopefully i didn't speed through it too fast it was really hard to try and go through every skate without going down too many side trails because believe me there were a lot so hopefully that comes out in the next few weeks there's a lot of moving parts to that one because when you're talking about the skate you need evidence that you had the skate or footage of you using the skate i hope that other people make videos like this because it's really interesting the historical things and technical things about skates that come up while you're talking about your personal connection to each skate growing up and it's also really interesting uh, to talk about skates that way because you think about the connection because the skates are connected to the body uh, the connection that you had to eat each skate. You had, it's a very intimate connection with your foot and the way it feels for your brain and your mind. Um, there's a lot there. Uh, I just have a note down here that says rollerblading is dorky slash nerdy and that's kind of an advantage. You can you can kind of just reflect on that yourself. I, people would probably strongly disagree, but I think rollerblading can look dorkier and nerdier when you try and dress up the dorky nerdy and hide it. Um, and it's not, this is not saying it in a negative way. I remember a story where I gave a copy of Mushroom Blading 1 to my girlfriend at the time, uh, her friend, Jordan, who played in a metal band, and he likes lots of, you know, when somebody's taste or things that they like checks out. Um, so I gave it to him to watch, and he said in a very complimentary way that he loved the video because it reminded him of like when you see guys riding a Harley. He said that it's kind of like there's something dorky about riding a Harley, which in our minds, like culture has twisted that into a cool thing. But the initial countercultural things um, have an element of dorky and nerdiness to them. Like when, but when you mix that with dorky and nerdy doesn't have to be not confident. A guy riding a Harley can be 100% confident but it is funny that it's like a the old version of like a grown-up toy it's more complicated than a rollerblade or a skateboard or a bike but these things are all you know adults overgrown children riding on 
toys, but then when you place it within music, like you can try and make it look interesting or you can change the way people see it depending on how the video is edited or how it's put together. So the, and the initial, like, I think still the closest cousin to, um, rollerblading, I think hockey and skiing, but not skiing how we know it now when skateboarding ended up influencing everything like the earlier days of skiing and the early days of rollerblading that it was just a dorky neon flash of energy and i think i do like all of the you know when you watch the commentaries i'm well versed in my rollerblading history and i do appreciate the classics of rollerblading but there is still when mixed with the kind of like weird it's a weird thing it's a weird alien thing when you're wearing rollerblades so there's just so many ways uh, to show that. Um, and again, sometimes rollerblading can get caught in one very consistent, I, I maybe say aggressive inline skating or whatever you street skating, whatever you want to call it can get caught in one look or one way of thinking. So playing around with the wide range of movements, ideas, uh, fashion, everything, there's just so much potential with that side of rollerblading. And again, when I say dorky nerdy, it's not its not in a derogatory term. It's kind of something that is unique to having wheels attached to your feet. They enhance awkwardness, whether you like it or not. And the people who are really good at it can minimize the dorkiness and awkwardness and... Um, show something that uh, is unique to them style-wise. It's important to know what you like and don't like as you get older. So I talked about passively passively consuming uh, rollerblading media. It's good to, to figure out what you really like about rollerblading, but this could apply to other stuff too, music, movies, and go further in that direction. Not to the point of uh, of saying I only like this type of music or movies because uh, trying and and uh, watching, listening to different stuff, watching different stuff is good. But uh, but going further in in your own direction is really important. And I think rollerblading is doing pretty good with that right now. Um, it's funny though; you get you still get people who there's the religious sect of the fundamentalist early 2000 rollerbladers. I I would love if they made stuff in that style very passionately with very good skating. Like, uh, if you love that style and you don't like the other stuff, make stuff uh, that either celebrates that era or um, commentaries on it, whatever. Just go further in that direction because the more people figure out what they really like and don't like, the more they can become themselves. Hopefully that's not too philosopher. One of my goals in the new year was attempting to retrain my attention. And that's why you've seen uh, so many of the MB7 session edits come out. 
I've been trying to lie down and listen to an album in full without checking my phone or texts or anything. I've been trying to watch things without looking at my phone. Uh, I haven't been posting on the Mushroom Blading Instagram to focus on putting stuff up on YouTube and focusing on building the Patreon, which I'm still like, I'm slowly figuring out. I'm not sure frequency, how much you're supposed to post or how little, um, but thank you to everybody who supported that. I also like the idea of um, YouTube and Patreon are people who are probably more invested in wanting to watch or follow what we might be working on. Whereas Instagram or Facebook, I found it was, there was a lot of wasted time answering things that didn't need to be answered or that came from a place of negativity and then you had to reply. I tried to reply to everything. So I was spending way too much time replying to stuff that didn't matter. So uh, my attention is slowly coming back. It's a climb though. It, it used to be very normal in before 2010 for people to watch movies at home or, or TV shows and just not look at their phone. It's kind of get, it kind of gets a little weird when uh, two screens become normal. This is where we're going though. You can't stop it, but you can try and I do recommend to just lie down if you have a moment, if you have uh, you know an hour out of the day and listen to a full album lying down front to back without checking your phone or anything. It's a really good experience. Very beneficial. Just listen, man. Just lie down and listen. Uh, oh, to work on a knee injury, I got a gym pass. And I don't, I never liked gyms. I always wanted to do stuff outside, but I'm really enjoying going on the bike for 40 minutes to an hour, listening to playlists for future projects and just going, going for it. And my knee's feeling way better because believe me, it was fine during the big wheeling era and wizard era. It was good. And even if it hurt it, the big wheels, they're softer. Um, the tricks, like even bashing into things, those, the wheels and cores absorb so much more shock, but holy yeah. Near the end of filming last year, my knee was really bad from grinding from aggressive inline skating. And not even doing huge things, I guess just the intensity of bashing it into the ground from not like bashing my knee into the ground, but like stomping landings and things like that. It really started to take a lot of, a lot of hits. Um, so it needs to be strong, especially if skating more anti-rocker coming up, but the gym's been good. I just hope that I can actually go in the next month or weeks or whatever is going on right now because it's fun it's really fun to also go for your lunch break and sweat a lot and get the endorphins going and then come back for creativity and thinking and everything it's good stuff i recommend it uh lastly i asked on 
Twitter. I have been posting on there a little bit. It sounds so stupid when you say that out loud. I asked on Twitter. I asked on Twitter. Uh, anyways, I posted on Twitter because I there was that article a long time ago that I posted. Uh, Stop trying to be skateboarding. That got taken down. I, actually, all a lot of the articles got taken down because I wanted just mostly videos and the best of Blade um, on the website, which I think is much better. But I was pondering after rereading it. I don't agree with everything in it, and I didn't like uh, the intensity of it, but there's still some really good points or things to discuss, and I still think there's a little bit of a problem with uh, skateboard worship and following it and what it's doing, uh, not just for rollerblading, but for culture and action sports in general. Because things have changed a lot, and I think it's kind of a bygone era. Like the whole action sports look and feel, um, it's hard to define, but you know what I'm saying. Like the cool core action sports thing, I think it's a really, really, really kind of old and outdated thing now. Um, anyways. The question was, what is rollerblading's greatest contribution to culture? And it's so funny to think about, you know, Brink, Airborne, The Soul Grind, uh, Neon 90s Spandex, like there's so, such a wide range of things. And I love that that's such an advantage in my mind that we're, we're such a confusing uh, cultural device. I I always love that Paul Crick answer, why is rollerblading so polarizing? I'll have to look it up and post it again. Should I look it up right now? No, you can look that up yourself. Um, but this has been Podcast 244. Thank you for listening. There is a lot of content to come uh, and thank you for listening.